Tucked away in a beautiful southeastern part of North Carolina resides the largest Native American tribe east of the Mississippi. The strong-willed and resilient original Southerners, the Lumbee tribe. During the racially charged era of Jim Crow, the tribe was confronted by a hate group seeking to scare them, wanting to run them off of their land, but they were grossly underestimated. This is the Lumbee tribe and the Battle of Hayes Pond. I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. In 1887, the Croatan Normal School was established for the training of Native American teachers. This was the first school of its kind, and it came at a very crucial time during the Jim Crow era, when the nation was set on segregating its people. It was the first all-Native American, state-supported four-year college in the nation. The school was constructed within a year by the Lumbee community. It opened in the spring of 1888, with attendance being 15 students and one faculty member. The instruction for many years did not stretch beyond the elementary and secondary levels. In 1909, the school changed locations, moving a few miles down the road into Robinson County. The name had changed several times over the years, but finally landed on the University of North Carolina at Pembroke in 1941, and it has remained such ever since, and still today offers over 150 graduate and undergraduate degrees, with attendance boosting about 8,200 students a year. The Croatan tribe was given the name based off of the theory that they were the absorbed ancestors of the lost colony of Roanoke and that they are a local tribe, though this is widely disputed as whitewash theory. They were later renamed the Lumbee tribe based on the river that they lived near, which was used to transport a lot of lumber during the time, so it wasn't really much of a stretch. Both of these names came from the colonizers in the area, as you might have imagined. A lot of the Lumbee's original and true history has, over the years, been erased or altered to fit a narrative. In 1954, Brown versus Board of Education was passed. For those of you that don't know, it ended segregation and simultaneously in North Carolina, a large layoff occurred throughout the textile industry. Thousands of white factory workers were out of a job. So all these displaced workers began to join together and many of them became members of the KKK or Ku Klux Klan, a white supremacy terrorist hate group founded in America in 1865. With the numbers growing daily and a violent race war raging in the South, one particular group in Union County, neighbors of Robson County, started targeting local officials. The group targeted the home of NAACP Chairman Robert Williams and others in his neighborhood, but they had anticipated the KKK's movements and vowed to quote, meet violence with violence. When the Klan came and the shootout began, it was quickly over, with the Klansmen scattering in panic as they didn't expect to meet the resistance that they did. After limping away, tails tucked, the group began to try and target groups that they saw as more vulnerable. But it proved to be yet another big mistake. After they were embarrassed at the home of Robert Williams, the group retreated back to South Carolina, led by James Catfish Cole, the local chapter's grandmaster, and they began to plan and recruit for their next assault. They targeted Robinson County and the Lumbee people for, quote, mixing race after it had come out during a divorce trial that a white woman had had an affair with a Lumbee man. 
The table was pretty much set for old Cole and his followers. When the judge residing over the case said in court to the woman, quote, I don't know why a white woman would get involved with an Indian man. They took this as a weak spot and began to eye the small Lumbee community. And in December of 1957 and January of 1958, the group held two separate cross-burning ceremonies on the lawns of Lumbee tribe members. The first was the home of a Lumbee woman who was dating a white man at the time, and the other a Lumbee family that had moved into a white neighborhood. After this, Cole and his clan passed out flyers advertising a group rally that was to take place in Robinson County and encouraged his clansmen to join him. The rally was set for January 18, 1958. The Lumbee community was still on edge from the cross burnings. And meanwhile, the sheriff of Robinson County, a white man named Malcolm McLeod, visited the home of James Cole in South Carolina and asked him not to hold this rally, warning him, I cannot and will not be able to protect you and your group. Sheriff McLeod knew the group wasn't coming to the area for a peaceful protest and refused to send any of his men to what he knew would most definitely become a shootout. Cole proceeds with his plans and ignores the sheriff's warnings. He has a hard time securing a location for the rally, but it is finally able to find a farmer willing to rent out a field in the northwest part of the county, an area known as Hayes Pond in the city of Maxton, North Carolina. As the clan drives into town, they pass by a line of cars already parked along the road that lead up to the driveway of the farm. Just ahead, hundreds of armed Lumbee people are yelling and shouting for the group to get out. It is estimated that the Lumbee turnout was over 500, while Cole and his clan only numbered about 50. Apparently Cole hoped that some of the 5,000 Klansmen thought to reside in Robinson County would show up to support him, <laughs> but no one did. Cole had shown up with his wife and kids and the congregation of his church to preach about God, sing hymns, and you know, burn some crosses. All for the sake of white power and to quote, remind those people of their place. The group proceeds with his activities while the Lumbee have gathered around them and continued their protest. They set up a light and mic and a speaker for Cole to speak. There were a few photographers from local newspapers present, as many people had caught wind of the event, including the governor of North Carolina, who had dispatched state troopers to the area knowing local law enforcement's stance on the situation. But when Cole stepped up to the mic to speak, a voice boomed from the crowd. If you speak, I will kill you. It's the voice of Samford Locklear, a local Lumbee man and World War II vet. But unfortunately, it fell on deaf ears. Good evening, brothers and sisters. We are here today. Locklear had shot out the light bulb just inches from Cole's head. Then the rest of the Lumbee men followed by firing shots into the air, hoping to scare the clan off. And it worked. There were physical altercations between the groups, but really no serious injuries. The crowd scattered. And since this is Southern North Carolina, and the area is quite swampy, Cole took off running into the swamp, leaving behind his wife and kids. Real smooth, Cole. His wife tries to leave in a panic and drives her car into a ditch. Because they had been already alerted to the event, the state troopers who were on standby enter the scene and eventually clear out the field. The Lumbee hold off and drive out the clan. No one's killed and, let's say, minimal violence. However, that was not the intention of the men that showed up that day. The tribe said that they came with the knowledge that they may die, with one man confessing to a plan to set the entire field on fire. He says he was thankful that the light was shot out that night, and if it had not happened, the Battle of Hayes Pond would have been a bloody one. 
Cole and his group spent weeks leading up to this, giving speeches, showing up to rallies, and citing whites everywhere against what he labeled as a mongrel race. Quote, There's about 30,000 half-breeds in Robinson County, and we are going to have a cross burning and scare them up. End quote. James W. Catfish Cole in 1957. The Lumbee people, in my opinion, showed amazing restraint that day. They had every right to defend their home by any means necessary. But Cole played a sick game using women and children, including his own. But the Lumbee? <laughs> they played better. Their attack on the Klan garnered national attention, and Cole was ultimately arrested and convicted of inciting a riot, and was sentenced to 18 to 24 months in jail. There was a Life magazine article published about the events that night, and it features a photo of two Lumbee men, Simeon Oxendine and Charlie Works, who were both World War II vets posing with the Klan's captured flag wrapped around them like a shared blanket. Many of the Lumbee men who showed up that day were vets of the recently concluded war, returned home after fighting for this country, to fight more terrorists who would again threaten their home. The Lumbee people today are still fighting forces to seek to eradicate them and their rich history. They are the largest tribe east of the Mississippi and growing, but unfortunately are not federally recognized. During the 2020 election, when the candidates needed a large swing vote of this tribe, they both made promises to recognize them if elected. This launched the tribe into the spotlight for the first time in a while. But here we are in 2022, and they are still not recognized. In most recent years, Lumbee people have gained a reputation of being, quote, hard to work with, stubborn, or unmovable. But it seems from looking at their history, the truth is more like these people, quote, work hard, willfully protect their home and tribe, and are definitely and probably will remain unmovable. there you go. I hope you guys enjoyed this little history lesson, this little strange, or not really so strange, just more unexplained history lesson. Um, another reason I chose to cover this tribe is that they are still not federally recognized, uh, if you didn't catch that in the episode. That's very odd, considering they are one of the largest uh, settlements in the South for, of Native Americans, and tribes are still growing to this day. So it's very odd, so they're not available or not available, but eligible, rather, for any type of federal assistance. Um, and they're not given any type of, you know, acknowledgement at all from the federal government. Which is odd because, uh, you know, coloni early colonizers, early federal government, they're the ones that named the Lumbee people. We don't even know what their original tribe name was. Or, or maybe they are a collection of tribes... You see what I mean? This The history of the Lumbee people has been so uh, contorted over the years, twisted, covered up, changed, uh, whitewashed. Um, just it's We don't know really what it is anymore. But the Battle of Hayes Pond is just a little, a little shining tidbit that we do have left of Lumbee culture that gives you a little bit of insight and a little bit of explanation into who this tribe was all right 
Again, like I said, I hope you enjoyed this history lesson. I hope you enjoyed this retelling. Um, and I also want to say I'm sorry there is no Lauren synopsis this week. Um, we gave Lauren the week off. Okay. Now, some things came up, um, one thing here and there, whatnot, but Lauren was unable to record the synopsis this week, and honestly, I think if he had to pick a week to skip, this was a pretty good one. This is not one really where we're trying to figure out what happened, or or it's a, a mystery whodunit or whatever. This is just an interesting, um, and I would say unexplained battle, unexplained and somewhat strange, honestly, for the time, for a Lumbee tribe to take a stand, um against the KKK in the in those early times, in those detrimental times of segregation and where they were trying to basically destroy all native tribes still. Um, yeah, that's that's just a huge it's a huge turning point in history and it's gotta be a huge victory uh for the Lumbee people in general. So I wanted to highlight that on the show. And also it's North Carolina, right? For those of you that don't know, I'm born and raised in North Carolina. Um, I still love this wonderful state, and I my my wife actually has family who are part of the Lumbee tribe, uh, so pretty cool, pretty cool to be kind of connected to them in that way. That's kind of how I originally learned about them, and then when I found out about this stand that they made at Hayes Pond, I was like, okay, I gotta cover the Lumbee people, I gotta cover the Lumbee people. So I hope you guys enjoyed this retelling, and uh, yeah, next week we'll be back. Uh, with uh, missing persons, uh, unexplained, a uh, strange stuff. It's just every once in a while I need a break, and I feel like you guys, you know, guys could uh, appreciate it as well, right? You guys, I'm sure you guys take it a lot of true crime, and not, not there's anything wrong with that. There's anything wrong with that. You know what? I'm just gonna stop talking. You guys are doing great. You're amazing listeners. I appreciate you so much. And if you really want to show that you appreciate us here at Strange and Unexplained so much, you should check out our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/sandupodcast. Where, guys, you can join me and my partner, Andy, who writes for Sandu Stories, as I'm sure some of you are aware. And also, we do strange shorts every single Monday. No better way to start your week. So imagine this, right? You join patreon.com slash SNU podcast. And then on Mondays, you not only get the new release of Strange and Unexplained, but you also get a bonus episode of Strange Shorts, usually just as long as the regular episodes now, because we cover multiple cases that are also very current. Uh, and just and it's not always it's not always true crime. Sometimes we talk about strange things in technology, um, but a lot of it is funny and strange and current petty theft. But either way, I'm sure you guys will enjoy it. And if you haven't checked out the Strange Shorts, especially the recent episodes with Andy since he's came on board um, here on the free, pl- free flea platform, on the flea pla- nah, on the free platform, please check that out, guys. We put a lot of work into those Strange Shorts, and we have a lot of fun, which is most important, right? And we want you guys to have fun with us as well. Again, that's Strange Shorts, guys. Uh, every single Monday, there's a new one. Every fourth one is released on the free platform. And then at the $5 tier on Patreon, you get access to Sandu Stories. Our once-a-month, completely uh, immersive, just audio book, just overwhelming senses, feels like you're there in a movie episode. Okay, did you get all that? Did you guys write that down? Because I don't want you to forget about Sandu Stories. Sandu Stories, uh, once a month. This one is coming out on January 27th, I believe. Last month's came out on December 30th, and that was chapter 11. There are 11 um, unrelated chapters of Sandu Stories podcast right now 
on Patreon. There are, I think, the first free first pff, the first three are available for free on the free platform. And then after that we started putting them on Patreon exclusively. Uh although if you haven't listened to True Crime Guys podcast, there's a couple for free on that feed as well. Uh, but yeah, like I say, True Crime Guys podcast. All this is under the True Crime Guys Productions umbrella, if you weren't unaware. Sandu, True Crime Guys. Then we have another show called uh, Full House Fantasy Football Podcast as well, for those of you uh, you football nerds. You don't even have to be into fantasy. If you just like football, there's a lot of interesting football talk where Lorne hosts that with a friend of his named Tori. So they know a lot more about fantasy football and football in general than I do. So I step back, let them handle that show, and they do a fantastic job. And both of those shows are available wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, and a great way to help any podcast that you listen to, guys, is to rate, review, subscribe. So if you guys are listening on Spotify, Spotify just added a following button as well as a rating button for podcast. So if you go to the homepage of Strange and Unexplained, You'll see up at the top left, you'll see the following button. And then right below that, underneath the description, you will see a rating button. Right now we have 53 reviews and a 4.8 star average. So I can't be mad at that. I cannot. So thank you guys very much. Uh, Rating and reviewing and following the show on whatever platform you are is the best way for the show to get promoted within those platforms. Any of the shows that you like. Um, If you didn't know, that's pretty much how these big podcast algorithms work. They're based on new subscribers and uh, reviews and then ratings as well on Spotify. All right? So, help your podcast out, peeps, because you know we love to keep you company. We do. Uh, I I could shout out shit for days on True Crime Guys Productions, guys, but look, right below the description of this episode, check out the True Crime Guys link tree, and you can get access to everything we have including true crime guys merch which is linked below as well um youtube page go on youtube subscribe to the true crime guys official youtube channel if you have time if you like to listen in your office you can listen put it in the background put, put your headphones in your boss don't know uh also if you're a true crime guys listener and you're a fan of the custom intros that we do for every single episode there is a True Crime Guys mixtape available on Spotify. If you search True Crime Guys on Spotify and then click the Artist tab instead of Podcast, it will pull us up as an artist because we are an artist as well. We're very artistic. Um, but it's a True Crime Guys mixtape, Volume 1, um, and it's about 11, I think it's 11 tracks, and they're compiled from intros that we've done um, over the years. And I say that to say this, Volume 2 is just around the corner, guys. Um, I think I have compiled the full list of tracks. I think it's going to be about 14, 15 tracks on volume two. And so it will be available for your listening pleasure whenever, uh, I get done and I'll let you know, but it should be soon. I'm thinking in the next couple months. Okay. So pretty soon, pretty soon. Don't hold me to it, but I hope, um, yeah. So there you go, guys. That's all things true crime guys. That's all things true crime guys productions at patreon.com slash true crime guys. Um, ton of content on there we have been doing that show for well over four years now and there's just hundreds of files and sound files on there uh, as well as higher thoughts season one so if you're a patron and you've listened to higher thoughts season two thus far um, higher thoughts season one is on patreon.com slash true crime guys okay we're just all over the place but if you sign up for patreon.com slash true crime guys and snu podcast you got you good you got content all week long got content all week long we'll keep you company promise all right guys 
I got to get out of here, all right? I'm just rambling. Most of you probably aren't even listening now. I'm probably down to like a tenth of the audience at least. Maybe less. It's ridiculous. I'm literally wasting my breath right now. All right, guys, I'm out of here. <laughs> be strange and uh, just don't be strangers, okay? That's all I ask. That's all I ask. I'll see you next week. See you guys. You hush your mouth, boy.